Hello and welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show broadcast live from the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. I am your host, Kyle, and let's see who else we have on today's panel. Ian Hamilton here. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I've got hands. What in the world? You have hands. What are these? Uh, I'm Harry. I, too, have hand tracking. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. So the reason why this episode is so important is for two reasons. Number one, we have hand tracking. Yes, that's correct, which means something else very significant. I'm on a quest. And Ian, you're on a quest. And Harry, who I cannot see, is also on a quest. (laughs) We are three folks with hand tracking on quests. This is a beautiful thing. This is an absolutely completely wireless. But hypothetically, I could have just sat up in bed and because it's early in the morning for me. I did make my way to the desk chair, but hypothetically, (laughs) it's a quest now. You know, you could just sit up anywhere and and join, which is pretty amazing. I know Ian's done a demo for like this, but I've never had hand tracking with, you know, three people uh, where it's all networked and everyone can see each other's hands, you know? All right. Well, uh, hey, let's get into our actual discussion here. First, we're just going to chit chat about what we're playing, what we're playing with. And uh, let's start over here with Ian. Uh, Ian, what do you, what have you been playing this week? You know, I, I, I uninstalled Akron on some of my devices. So Akron is the uh, Attack of the Squirrels game from Resolution Games. And we've changed devices over the last year and uh, ended up having the app off of our phones and and tablets and stuff but we reinstalled it on all of our phones and tablets my kids went crazy for it it was uh basically i tried it last year and it was it was good but you kind of need a uh, several squirrels in there all at once all chasing the acorns from the tree and it was a ton of fun uh we're now in what month four or five of quarantine and um my oldest ends up going into half and half quite a bit Half and Half has been amazing for her to sort of see her friend and play hide-and-go-seek and other games with her friend without having to leave the house. And Akron is going to be added to that list pretty shortly, I think, with uh, friends being able to sort of hunt each other, uh, you know, hunting the acorns and playing with people that are far away. That's pretty amazing. I, you know, you just saying that, I was thinking back to, like, when I was a kid. In this situation, there was no technology to be meeting up with someone in a virtual environment. It's still it's still amazing to me that, you know, also not even that, also that, you know, your kid has a friend who they can meet in VR. Like, that requires two headsets. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. It's really, I don't know. What what a what a nice wholesome story is what I'm getting at. I mean, I recognize that it's such a privilege to be able to do that, that headsets yeah. are expensive, that they're not easy to get. It, it made me so sad to think that the world is getting worse and we're sort of being forced indoors by this pandemic. And over, you know, five months later or whatever, that, that this has been ongoing and the numbers are on the rise where I live. Like there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, positive tests. Uh, even the last two days, it's been like record numbers in my county. And it's just like, wow, this is a really necessary thing uh, for us to be able to like, it's not something we do all the time. Uh, my oldest plays Minecraft for hours with uh, a friend. But, you know, for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, it's an escape that, 
that just works so well or you know i'll hear the show yeah the screaming from the other room as they're trying to tag each other and in vr and it's just such a great great escape Mm. it feels like facebook horizon is this big kind of missing gap in the the picture at the moment because i mean i can't remember what the exact wording they used for when that was coming or when the, the betas were or when the release was but it you know it seems like we're getting into the year now and there's still been not much word the only the last thing i think we heard was they were doing kind of uh closed alphas i guess i mean obviously they, they couldn't plan for this situation but it feels almost like a missed opportunity that it's not available in some capacity now for those people in that situation that can catch up with people and whatnot but you know i my kid has actually been requesting rec room because we've gone into rec room the two of us uh and uh she obviously knows or i've told her that it's on phones but i cannot wrangle uh rec rooms um junior settings i really don't want her to hear voices uh at a rec room that aren't her friends uh mm-hmm. that she knows from in, in real life or me uh just because i don't think it's a very safe uh place uh yeah to hear those voices uh at that age it's tough because that, that there's the exact problem of like i just there's a lot of fun that can be had in rec room but i can't really figure out how to use the account system to kind of like make that management really easy with just her and her friend and me and my wife and Mm. other trusted circle of people being able to you know play paintball and whatnot together yeah well my kids get in and do rec room and they stick to their own private rooms they don't want all the cacophony of other stuff and other people so the entry point for uh kids is is there's definitely a risk it's like sending your kid off to the mall and just hoping that they don't see anything terrible and i get that echo arena actually my my oldest uh here in the house she's she's 15 she's been playing that like it's her job uh (laughs) it's one of those games that she is just obsessed with and i i see her she comes in she's like and i'm like what she's like i was just playing rec room i'm like well just don't break any of the windows or the controllers you know uh (laughs) it's but it is something that happens quite frequently in my house is that the kids get on when they're not playing roblox or minecraft they're playing uh echo arena or they're playing rec room i mean it's just a a regular thing in our house and and it is from the covid you know the quarantine or whatever it is that we're calling it now yes people need to be able to socialize kids need social interaction and they're not out down at the park playing with their friends so how else are they going to do it my problem with echo arena is i'm I'm nervous about the motion like my kid actually calls it motiony that's how she refers to it is that if you are app motiony and I'm like, no, a Beat Saber, uh, Akron is not because you, when you play in VR, you're the tree. So like games, and so the tree is obviously stationary. But like I, I really, I've been nervous about putting my kid into Echo Arena uh, too early. I kind of want to yeah. hold off on Echo Arena a little bit longer. Well, and I mean, 15 is it's good enough for me. You know, I mean, my nine-year-old isn't playing Echo Arena. That's I've been playing in Death Unchained. Been playing so much in Death Unchained. Uh, it's basically all I've been doing the last three days to prepare our review and, and video review. Um, so there's a review and a video review on the site. You can read it now. But for those who don't know, uh, the short version is In Death was uh, a rogue light that came out for PC VR and on PlayStation VR as well about two years ago. Uh, this is kind of like a revamped version. It's by a different studio that's taken over the IP. 
Uh, they've added some new content in for Quest's whole new world that is called In Death Unchained. Any Quest owner that, that wants, to me, what it represents is, is a Quest game that is something that I will not only continue to play after review, which is definitely not always the case, but you could come back to the sessions over time, you know, uh, once every week, once every day. You know, it's kind of like, and it's challenging. Uh, it's clear that the challenge is going to be there for quite a while. Even when you finish everything, you kind of start again with harder versions of everything. Um, it's not easy. It's very challenging. And I think, you know, there's not a lot of super uh, in-depth but engaging games on Quest that are legitimately challenging without being just kind of silly unfair. Um, there's a real kind of skill you have to learn to it. Uh, it's all about archery. It's all bow and arrow combat um, with kind of randomly generated levels and uh, enemy placements and whatnot. And as you get better, you unlock more enemies and it gets harder and harder and harder. I just think it's a lot of fun. I think there's not a lot of stuff on Quest like that at the moment that's that difficult and that in-depth. Um, and the archery just feels so good. It is the best uh, hitting a headshot in that game. There's nothing nothing quite like it. It is perfect. It's so good. Anyway, I'm a big fan of the game. So um, go check that out if you have a Quest and that's your kind of game. All right. Hey, let's get into some news. This first subject is actually interesting. Uh, a leak of a photo that may or may not be a new quest could be quest light could be quest pro could be quest express could be quest love we don't know uh it's it's white it looks similar to a quest there's some subtle differences uh i don't know what do we what do we know about this headset so far I have so many thoughts, and none of them are, <laughs> all of them are conjecture, and I'm very upset that at myself for running off, you know, on Twitter with all of my different things that it could be or what I want it to be. This picture is like a Rorschach test where I, I look at it and go, oh, it's, uh, it is or it isn't what I want. But at the end of the day, it's going to be, it's got to be beefier than what we have now. And the question is exactly how much beefier and in what ways and how many faces does it fit? And I, I want to know all those answers uh, as soon as possible. And we're working to try to do that. But I saw an observation on social media. I think it was Twitter that somebody thinks that the white color is going to help uh, with the hand tracking because white is reflective. So it'll bounce light down. And we all know because I have my lights, you know, nice and bright shining on me to give me the best hand tracking that I can obtain that the white will somehow reflect off and give us better hand tracking. Now, I, I don't know if that's true. I also know that two Oculus connects ago when they were doing the dead and buried arena, they had orange ones and they had, uh, let's just say multicolored quests. I was kind of expecting Quest to come out in five fruity flavors, and it didn't. So, <laughs> are we getting multiple colors, or is each color going to represent a uh, a generation of the Quest? I mean, these are all questions that we don't really have answers to yet. That white and and with accents of black color scheme makes me think, you know, it's a light device like a Quest Light, or you know. Something about the white has become associated in tech with, you know, the kind of light device. Um, I think that's interesting, but I think one interesting point Heaney made, which I hadn't considered, was that, you know, even if it's designed as a like a light device or a, a different device, the fact that it's been, you know, 
couple of years since the original quest was designed, the technology will innately be better no matter what you kind of do because time has passed, you know, and that's how these things work with this kind of technology is, you know, over time things will get better, um, you know. So no matter what it kind of ends up as, I think it's safe to assume that it'll be, you know, more powerful or a kind of step up from the current quest. It's just a matter of where that's kind of placed, whether it's sold alongside the current quest, whether it's a quest pro or, you know, an upper model or a lower model. I've seen some people on Twitter and elsewhere speculate that it would be a kind of lower, cheaper end model, which I think is unlikely, but um, it's just, I think the big question is where this kind of fits in now, you know, whether it's a, it's a replacement device, a device that runs alongside the original. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing to say, uh, a good point to make, Harry, because I'm wondering how much, well, here, let me ask this question, and Ian, feel free to chime in as well, because I'm sure you have an opinion. How, what, what specs on this new device would have to suck for you to go, oh, gosh, this is not the right device to get? Like, where, where do they skin? <laughs> I know it. Like, if it I has an 840 Snapdragon 845, if it doesn't have uh, eye tracking, if it doesn't have different... Uh, uh, crappy battery what would have to happen to this headset to make it be a whoa don't don't buy this that's i'm messing with the uh ipd slider on my quest right now just to yeah demonstrate for myself live on here when it starts (laughs) getting ugly yeah because for Um, me the ipd i'm I'm here at 60 and i usually set mine like 64 65 so i think i'm pretty much perfectly average ipd so if there's no ipd slider on it uh that won't affect me which if anyone doesn't know who's listening to the podcast that is the tool that you know there's two lenses in the quest and you can move them further or closer apart um to adjust to your eyes so that it's comfortable for you which is a big deal for a lot of people who don't have average ipd distance which is the distance between your pupils um so for me that's not a huge deal because i know i'm kind of like you know average ipd but for ian I can imagine that would be a literal deal breaker if it's going to make him sick every time he gets in the headset and he can't adjust it. So, I don't know. I don't know if there's so anything I, else that would make it. The way I described this, go on. A lot of people were asking about it and like how how bad is IPD for me? Like, there's a lot of hammerheads out there uh, with with wide <laughs> IPDs, and that they all want to know sort of like what's tolerable. And like when I tried the original Reverb. Uh, I would put that headset on and out of one eye, I would see a line at the edge of the display. And that was, it was unusable uh, for me. Like I had, I had some fun uh, playing no man's sky with my kid, my kid in the normal uh, seated version and me doing VR version and reverb. And it was like, cool. But the entire time I'm sort of really looking forward to taking the headset off and putting on a proper, uh, proper headset that really fits my face and you know it's like um they could improve that you know it's been several years uh since they designed the quest there could be a new generation of lenses in there could be uh new panels uh they could fix the eye box so it fits a a wider range of people i don't know the thing that i wanted to point out though is that rift s i i've described it as tolerable i find the rift s to be like fine it just like it's not it doesn't match my ipd i can go in there with the software and change the ipd and i can use it for a good length of time but i just noticed over the course of a year of usage 
I go back to Quest uh, partially because it's wireless and partially because I can get the lenses into just the right spot every time I put it on and then index for the same reason. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember the commercial, uh, what was it, like Xfinity or something, that E.T. put on a headset? I've always joked. It was that a go, e- wasn't it? Yeah, it was a go. I've always joked mm-hmm. that that IPG or IPD is uh, what is ET's IPD is what I want to know <laughs> because whatever it is, it's supported by Go. When now, will ET's IPD? You said Hammerhead. I say ET. Uh, I want to know what ET's IPD <laughs> yeah. is. Somebody tell me that. Somebody find that out and, and probably and something share ridiculous that. like ninety one. Oh, even even Something more than huge. that, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but it's uh, a fun. You guys, I've got my dog here. My dog is in my face, and you guys get to see a petting of the dog. <laughs> it's All a right. I'll tweet that to head King. Head you pet the dog. Yeah, yes. cut this out. We upload, upload virtual videos. Yes, that's right. Yes, he better not virtually leave a mess anywhere. I'm going to be looking. <laughs> we'll be looking. Where? Where's the? Clean up an aisle four. So can we move on to the next uh, news piece? Let's do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Five nights at Freddy's VR Ooh. quest rating. Ratings reach 1,200 plus reviews in less than 16 hours. 1,200 plus. Did, did anybody pretty... look to see it, 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 what's the next highest? Do we even know? Oh, that's a good question. We asked. We asked to try to see if we could figure out if this was a record or not, and uh, Facebook couldn't tell us. Uh, couldn't confirm the information. Uh, I think it's over two thousand. Last I checked, it might be over three thousand. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going to look it up on my phone. Uh, it's it was fast that they achieved that, and obviously we're a little. Yeah, it's a two thousand three hundred as of this taping. That's quite a lot, yeah. and it was only like. Just a handful of one-star reviews. It's like incredible how highly rated it is. Um, I just saw pop up that uh, Phantom Cover Ops is over a million dollars on um, on shortly after release. Um, and I think they released on both Rift and Quest mm. simultaneously. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I think so. I believe so. Um, but we just keep hearing again and again. We got Virtual Desktop that was over three million on Quest. Uh, just we keep hearing again and again the numbers are accelerating. We just had Waltz of the Wizard. Uh, what, what was their number? Um, uh, they revealed I, a big I number. They said it. that they dropped be... their price by two dollars. Yeah. yeah, they dropped their price by two dollars. They, they sell Waltz of the Wizard on Quest for ten dollars. They dropped it to eight dollars for one twenty-four hour sale on Quest, and saw their biggest sale day ever on a random Saturday in July, and like. You start adding up all these data points and you start realizing that the quest audience is becoming substantial very, very quickly. And uh, there's this like psychology at play here that they don't put games on sale very often. So even a $2 discount on a game that was $10, taking it to $8, can reap massive rewards because there's that many people. And obviously, Waltz is one of those games that has hand tracking. So Plus, uh, a lot of people itching to get in there. and yeah. The other thing to keep in mind to that point about the sale thing is that um, 
you know, two dollars off ten ten dollars is twenty percent, right? And doesn't sound like much in normal sale terms, but if you think about what goes on, you know, some of those bundles and the other sales they've the limited sales they've had on Quest, it's been like fourteen percent or really weird, oddly no, low numbers. You know, it's like this bundle is fourteen percent off for these two games. It's rare that it gets that high, as despite twenty percent still being quite low sale wise. Um, so I think that's interesting. But I just think going back to the Five Nights at Freddy's thing, I think that's I know that Five Nights at Freddy's has this huge fan base and people that were waiting for it on Quest, but it still shocks me that like there there is like it's like the Venn diagram of Five Nights and Freddy's fans and Oculus Quest owners has this middle point that is seemingly quite large. I would not have thought that those two kind of fan bases crossed over as much as they seem to have, but I mean that's a lot of reviews very quickly. So my question is actually I have two questions. Number one is how much is the Five Nights at Freddy's game? Ooh, is it thirty? Is it twenty nine ninety nine? It might be. I'm gonna have to look it up. It was honest. more. It was on the higher end, I believe. It is so the reason experience. I the reason I bring up. up that cost and the the fact that you said this Venn diagram of the you know the connection between the like, can I do a Venn diagram on the, to the camera? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, is um, a question of value. Uh, what is yes. the value of these games? So we have Waltz and the Wizard that suddenly found that their ideal value was two dollars less than what they thought, uh, or at least at that time. Thirty, by the way, it, it is thirty. Okay, so at thirty dollars, Five Nights yeah. at Freddy's is blowing everything else out of the water. Why? And it's a question of value. So you've got a group of people who put a higher value on this game than they do a game Waltz of the Wizard, uh, but. It's a it's a question of how much should these games actually cost, and what is the value of a VR game versus a console game versus a, a Switch game versus a, a PC VR game? It, does the Quest need less expensive games for people to find higher value? I guess that's the question. I, I, I think mm. it's interesting too because when you say that, I think about like you were saying, you know, Switch games, for example. For me, there's like very clear tiers of what's expected on the switch like you have kind of first party and third party major third party titles um that are kind of like full price console game prices and you have indies that kind of get down to at least here in Australia it's like 30 bucks or 40 bucks and then you've got kind of the lower tier of indies that are much lower whereas on quest you know thinking about that you have five nights at freddy's at 30 you have uh um in death is also 30 and they're two very different games and and likewise you would have i mean how much is how much is beat saber like all of these games that are very very different and offer very different like lengths of play styles of play are still kind of trying to figure out the pricing you know it's not like there's very clear definitions of what you know you would expect for you know the kind of game to be priced at you know because everything's so different as well you know they're all different styles of games one might have a campaign one might be something you come back to i haven't really paid attention to um whether hand tracking is on by default uh when you you know in the latest version I, you think you still need to go into the menu and turn it on don't you or is it on uh no your controllers down? By... is it just there I think it's on by default. I think it might be the setting where it, if you put your controllers down, it puts on the hand tracking immediately kind of thing. Because you can, there's a switch. Like, I think you're mm. right. There's a switch in like the quick settings. Like, I'm going to use hand tracking, but you can turn on the setting where you put your controllers down that it detects you want to use your hands. Um, I just wonder how not, many people are sort of discovering that hand tracking is there slowly. Um, 
and then like elixir so i that was the other thing i did this week was elixir i got back into and my whole family did a round of elixir with which is the free hand tracking experience from uh magnum opus i think is the name of the company um Mm. and it's it's this little magical thing where you can put your hands in water and get all these sorts of different hands and then have effects with the hands and it's such a great on-ramping experience for like i want to do something more with hand tracking and then then also the wizard is sitting right there and for one day only eight dollars that's an incredible appealing deal uh to kind of like just dive in there and go oh yeah i've got a full game i can do with uh that and then i love to your to your point i guess like the spend diagram that we're talking about with five nights at freddy's thirty dollars is uh a hefty price tag especially when you consider it to like mobile games which is where five nights at freddy's sort of comes from and that's where its audience would have been uh you know would have cut their teeth or whatever um but like uh it's an expensive thing, but the experience there, right? Every one of us is like too either too scared to play or having to do it in breaks because it's that darn scary. And it's yeah. like that's the universal experience for everyone with that game. I loved that that guy screaming on Reddit uh to just support devs. You're gonna go buy this game and terrify yourself. Uh <laughs> I just it's it's incredible to think of the range of experiences out there. Five Nights at Freddy's is just this compacted horror, getting you to scare, jump scare within like two minutes. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there's a sort of like uh, hand tracking experience in Waltz of the Wizard that really lets you explore a full game with just your hands in there. That's they're such divergent, different experiences. And, and uh, yeah. And the other thing too is that that. You know, Five Nights at Freddy's, I believe there is some original content for VR in there. But a lot of it is, I mean, granted they work, but it's it's converted versions of the existing games that are on mobile and, and other platforms. And it's not like it's developed exclusively. It's not all, you know, VR exclusive content. Um, so it's interesting because then, you, again, that's 30 bucks and it's not all made, designed for VR. And you've got kind of stuff like Ports of the Wizard for, for 8. So it is interesting the, the breadth of different experiences and how they're priced on the quest. So when you when you look at the two thousand plus reviews, uh, Ian, I think you alluded to the fact that they are mostly positive reviews. Is that correct? Oh, very. It's it's really extreme uh, weighted towards five stars. And it's funny, even when we've been talking about this game on stream. Um, like there are people, yeah. If you look at it right now, it's ninety-two percent five stars, six percent four stars, and one and one percent. There's there's no no two star reviews. There's one percent <laughs> three star reviews and one percent one star reviews. Uh, Some people really extraordinary. hate it, but don't like um, dislike it to put two stars. I think that's quite funny. Here's an idea for uh, the editorial team, if you want, is compare the reviews of half-life alex to the reviews and results of five <laughs> nights at freddy's just out of curiosity what would that even look like oh they're like all the, the completely yeah, steam interesting compared like steam to that yeah. yeah 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 but i mean here's even two five games that freddy's have other huge platforms. fan bases even i would be interested to see what the i haven't looked at the reviews of uh five nights at freddy's on steam 
but I imagine who knows what that. It's interesting that on Quest it's just kind of because I remember we checked the Rift reviews as well to see if it was because it is cross by, so to see if perhaps any of those reviews were kind of being shared between the systems. But Rift is much lower, so there's not that many on the Oculus Store for Rift comparatively. So yeah, hmm. yeah, interesting. Now Five Nights at Freddy's exists on other platforms other than the Quest. Uh, yeah. Does do those versions of the game also follow suit in terms of their popularity? Good question. question. I need to look at that. And I, I'd be curious to hear from uh, Steel Wool is the company that brought it, right? Um, yes. I'd be curious to hear them make a statement about how quick the uptake's been on um, how quick the uptake's been on uh, Quest compared to other On Quest, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, if other games are anything to go by, Quest is usually a platform that every, I think almost every developer we've spoken to in regards to that kind of conversation has been like, well, you know, Quest is the best selling platform by far, right? That's been pretty consistent is that they've found more success on Quest. Uh, so I imagine it's more popular on Quest. Who knows? The kind of bringing up the Catholic comparison is an interesting one because, like, it's interesting to think of the two avenues for uh, those those respective franchises to make it into VR. You're going from a mobile game with Five Nights at Freddy's to VR versus a PC game going to VR. And how like different the expectations are from each of those audiences. Like I would imagine Five Nights at Freddy's is much easier to argue that this is the definitive way to play Five Nights at Freddy's and get scared. There's just nothing that can match that scare factor. Whereas I think there's some arguments to be made about whether, uh, as a shooter, Half-Life Alex is a great shooter versus, you know, you get to those Jeff levels and other scare levels in Half-Life Alex. It's an extraordinary horror game, but mm-hmm. you have to play through several hours of a shooter to get to those horror elements in Half-Life Alex versus just being dropped into it. It's not quite the same pick up and be terrified in two minutes kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, other, the other point I want to bring up is, you know, the whole idea of Five Nights at Freddy's equals jump scare. And that's it. Uh, it's there are other games that have that kind of stuff. I mean, what about like Face Your Fears? Uh, I mean, this is what I don't get. Yeah. I agree with you because because I, what I think is really odd is that, too, when I was initially I was going to do the review and then David took it over because I was just too scared and had to take too many breaks. But um you know, I mentioned to people, oh, I'm reviewing this game. You know, it's coming to the Quest Five Nights at Freddy's. You might have heard of it. And pretty much everyone was like, yes, I've heard of Five Nights at Freddy's. Because, like, even people who were not into games, you know, like, just had know the franchise because it's had this YouTube phenomenon of people playing it and being terrified. And it has got this weird brand where people really know about that game, even if they're not gamers, have not played the game, you know. I've never played a game in their life. They know all of Five Nights at Freddy's from YouTube and watching other people play it and whatnot. So yeah, it's definitely got a brand associated with it. How much of the success of Five Nights at Freddy's stems from the fact that it's basically haunted Chuck E. Cheese? It's something See, we it's already I, recognize. As as an as an Australian, it took me. I did not realize that for ages because I'm Chuck E. Cheese is like almost a foreign concept to me. Like. Uh. I did not even realize that, but I know I have since learned that that's kind of what it's, you know, based off, but that was not something I knew for a long time because it's not, you know, you don't have Chuck E. Cheese, but I, I mean, how, how brilliant of a concept it, is that to take yeah, something that everybody something, knows yeah. and, you know, 
turn it into Make something it else. Yeah. yeah. Very recognizable. Interesting yeah. stuff. All right. Well, let's move on to the next piece of news then. So it looks like Immersed launches a free Oculus Quest app to work on your PC or Mac. That's important. In VR. Basically, um, a match between virtual desktop and big screen. So uh, they're looking for productivity in VR. You can access your PC for free. Um, there's a free tier. It's a free app available right now in Quest. And then you can pay, I think it's 15 a month right now, uh, as of this taping, um, to access multiple monitors. So the free tier gets you your actual computer monitor plus any physical monitors attached to it. And then uh, one extra virtual monitor added to your physical setup. And then the $15 tier gives you like five screens that you can access uh, that are all virtual, you know, simulated screens on top of what your whatever your actual screens are. And then you can have other people come in and join you and see your screens. So it's got that big screen feature too. That's that's desktop sharing. Uh, but where big screen is focused on movie watching and virtual desktop has that side loaded PC VR games. This app is strictly like built for the idea of trying to spend very large amounts of time in VR uh, working and getting work done without being, you know, lonely all by your lonesome in your work from home cave. Uh, you actually get other people sitting right next to you. Do seems do like you people are really that? loving it. They're, they had a lot of beta testers. So so Ian, if I, if I uh, made I it, like the option sometimes. Okay. All right. Good stuff. We've talked about this. We talked about this right before COVID uh, sort of took off of like, yeah, we're a remote team, right? You're up in Seattle. We've got Heaney out there in Ireland. We've got uh, two people in London, another in LA, you in Australia. And many of us have only met no times or one time uh, in the physical world. And it's kind of hard to get a grasp of how each of us handles stress, how we handle, uh, you know, when we're joking um, versus not joking without having that physical, like native experience of, of just being like there present with a person, seeing how they handle various uh, things that come at them throughout a day. And I don't know if you could pick that up uh, from an eight hour session in this app, but I suspect if you spent a couple days in it, you could. I we've joked over the years of like we should spend significant office hours in VR, and there's never been a a good case for it. Like you don't want to induce headaches just to prove a point that you can work in VR for an eight hour day. You want so to the, like you want it to be better than the experience of working on your regular computer. Absolutely. So we are the poster child children for this type of situation where we are all 100% remote. Some of us have never met. Hi, Harry. How are you? I've never Hello. actually seen you in real person in real life. Uh, this is as close as we've come. Right. And you know what? I feel like we interact, uh, especially with hand motions and gestures. You've sat next to me in the other I studio. Think about this often. It's very strange. I can't imagine what it would be like to meet in person, I imagine would be a very strange experience now because you have these preconceived ideas of 
you know, based well, on what VR. Would it be, actually, have we interacted enough? Like, I'm going to be upset when you don't have big poofy hair that goes way up. You know, that, that's... Oh, I have pretty. Don't worry, it's it's pretty big hair. Don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's, worry. It's, like I love this example because yeah, the Harry's got a whole bunch of Australian uh, words that he knows and that we've learned over the course of of texting each other over like a year. Yes, yes. Uh, we've got American terms. So what's the one you asked me about? Is that a term? You asked me if if you actually have autumn and fall. Fall oh, is yeah, literally fall. not a term for you, right? No, no, I'm really, we know it, but no one says it. What I was asking was whether fall was like, you know, uh, you only used fall instead of autumn or whether you use them interchangeably because we would never say fall, but we know what it means. But yeah. But being able to like, I so, don't know, have a laugh or talk that out. It's something that you don't get from having to do Slack chat all day very easily. You have to spend so much time at the Slack chat where like, in theory, we could have that quick conversation and then go back to doing our work at our computer. Yeah. Exactly, and yeah. that sort of thing is lost uh, with remote teams. And um, I don't know. I, I, I What I'm hearing from the makers of that app is that people are using it quite a lot for very extended stays. So it's clearly, I mean, you, you, can, you thought about spatial at the beginning. Spatial is just one of dozens and dozens of companies that have tried to do virtual workspace. And like there was the one, uh, I can't think of what its name is right now, that ran out of money as soon as Microsoft announced their own mixed reality platform and, and some app VR, they just immediately shut down their uh, website and closed up shop. This has been a, a, a thing that's been tried for a long time, and it seems like Immersed is uh, providing all the right features. At you know, They're doing a lot more right than a lot of others have done right in the past. And so I'm really curious to see how that app grabs hold so to me the big question here uh for this specific news discussion is and we don't have the answer for this question but the big question is will apps like immersed replace the need answer the question of do we actually need to be physically in the same space or can we convey emotion can we express ourselves and read each other's body language from an app in vr and will it be good enough to replace the actual physical co-location type of thing uh that that's that's where we're at right now is will this be good enough plus the fact that how long will it take before mainstream adoption of vr headsets occurs that enough people can try this that we can get some form of data as to whether or not it's adequate. Now, these are all questions or speculations. We don't know yet what the answer to those questions are, but it's definitely the right question to ask. You know what's interesting, though, I think, with this kind of discussion of, of, of when that you know, becomes valuable, I think it's interesting because, you know, you think about, obviously, there's kind of like in the current world, there's the hierarchy of like you want to meet in person, but then people will often do things over, you know, a group, call or they'll phone someone and you don't get that experience either there are things missing you can't judge from that as well right in terms of social interaction and i think it's interesting because i don't think you know I'm, i say this i think for a while the yeah, i might not ever get to that point for a little bit while where it's you know one-to-one -one or just as good as being in person with someone but it's interesting to see where the point will get to where it's it has significant drawbacks but it's good enough people will use it anyway you know, like you might not be able to fully read body language, but it's close enough that people will be like, oh, look, it's good enough. 
as opposed to flying halfway across the world for something I really need to do with someone there. This is as close. This is close enough that I'll opt for that instead, right? And I just think because I've had I've had talks with people like you know. Uh, like my my parents, friends, and old colleagues and stuff, and being like, you know, we're talking about the idea of board meetings and people who fly for board meetings. And I was like, we're talking about VR, and I was like, I'm sure one day board meetings, flying for a board meeting, would be the thing of the past. And you do it in VR. And this person I was talking to kind of found that almost ludicrous because they were like, well, surely not. Like, it, and I was like, well, maybe not right now, but at some point it will become it'll reach a level of being good enough that you're still not getting that same experience of being in person, but the drawbacks kind of, you know. The, the pros of, of not having to go anywhere will, you know, beat out the cons of, of whatever those drawbacks still are at that point. It's a really, uh, I like how this kind of goes full circle with when we talk about Quest and what the next generation might be like. Uh, we talk about, you know, they they clearly marketed Quest as a game console. It's the whole you know purpose of the platform is to, it's like ready built to compete with Switch. Uh, and on footing with with major consoles like it's it's competing for the same dollars and eyeballs that a lot of these gamers are going after and there's we had these we had that debate a couple weeks ago about psvr 2 and how big it's going to be for psvr uh, or, or for just the whole market whether it's going to extend beyond just games and i i just i really wonder if apple and microsoft and google are and amazon i guess uh, are really competing to build out this social work platform that clearly is like abrash uh the the facebook the head of facebook research michael abrash has talked year in and year out about a virtual workspace that combines all the benefits of a physical workspace with all the benefits of a virtual workspace and having this perfect melding of both advantages and that's when you look at the suite of technologies being researched by frl facebook reality labs it's avatars so that we can get our subtle expressions across it's uh verifocal designed headsets so that we don't get headaches after an hour it's just a long 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 list of all these things that we need to have for us to do the full workday in vr and I just, I always wonder whether the other companies are piecing those things together the same way Facebook is. And when we talk about like a game system, what I, what we're just describing here is a way different use case than a game system and what you do with games. And the fact that Facebook is sort of pursuing both of those while marketing game systems is what I think is really interesting this, at this point. Okay. Well, well, I'll tell you what, uh, the hot topic is what's next today. Um, and the hot topic is what role will hand tracking play in VR's future? And I'll tell you right now, I'm digging this because the, yeah. the, the, the challenge of not having a controller is I don't have a button to push. I don't have a thumbstick. I don't have grip. So I can't, like, I don't know how I would interact with certain games. However, with this type of situation, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have to touch this table. Uh, I don't have to touch Stevie to TV or the wall. I don't have to touch any of these things. I yeah, can it's just purely a kind of social, so you yeah. can see each other. You know, right? And I'm a, I'm a hand talker. And... 
you know, I like Same. to talk with my yeah. hands. Same. I like to emote, which is good. So I like this. So for this type of situation, hand tracking is great. Social, um, you know, if Facebook Horizon ever comes out and we can do it, hopefully this is the type of interaction that we'll have. You would, you would think for sure that Horizon would support hand tracking. I would just think it would be, to me, it would be crazy. That would not be supported. It's almost guaranteed in my eyes. I, I was thinking about the emergent games, right? Like rock, paper, scissor uh, is something so simple and known by so many people. And you can really do it with uh, when your headsets don't reset in the middle. Uh, <laughs> but you, you really can do it in VR. And it's, it's, it's not a compelling game. Like I'm not going to do it more than like three <laughs> it's matches. Such a, it's like the, the funniest way I've heard someone that... describes it as a paper rock. It's not a compelling game. Hamilton <laughs> upload VR. That's his full review. <laughs> Zero out of five stars yeah. upload VR. Yeah, I get it. The hand checking yeah. is great, but I'm not sure about the gameplay itself. Two out of five. <laughs> Just I don't know. It's it's human expression, basic human expression. Yeah. I've talked with the um. I've 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 talked to uh, several speakers of or uh, signers of American Sign Language, and I would like to get them into here uh, once this doesn't crash. Uh, it's a little bit more solid than it, we have it today, and we can all see each other. Um, but like talking about the different letters that you can't express with the current generation hand tracking. Um, there's a lot of limitations to even this expression. Mm. Um, oh, and yeah, but it, it is going to be. Can't see well, your hands, but yeah. Let's see. The sign language is quite a, a, is, is quite a, a technical a. thing. And I can imagine that, you know, things start to get occluded and, and whatnot. And so there's a whole bunch of uh, challenges with that. I think it's interesting though, to think about this hand tracking discussion too, in relation to the first topic of the new quest and, you know, we've had, there's been some reports of, of uh, cameras with increased, you know, uh, being able to sample the hands at an increased rate, leading to better hand tracking. Um, and I think that's, and obviously we've also had that conversation about whether they would sell a Quest without controllers as like a hand tracking model. But it's interesting, we're talking about, you know, what what future does hand tracking for VR? And there's this kind of new Quest potentially probably on the horizon that could I mean, really, just... uh, on the horizon. So to this, haha, clever. Uh, to to the point of all this is like uh, elixir. I did that this week, and you have to mm -hmm. make this gesture and point at a square, and then pinch in order to teleport in, uh, in elixir. And then in Waltz of the Wizard, you have to use this gesture along the ground to point to where you want to move along uh, through the room. So there's these two completely different gestures right at the outset in order to access all of the gameplay and it was a huge barrier to the people that i put in to both of these experiences like i'm reluctant to put family members and friends into waltz the wizard until there's a little bit more stability in that gesture's recognition because i don't want to be spending their first time in vr in a week and a half to be spent Oh, you, you actually need to point your finger a little bit different. I don't want to be spending the first five minutes mm. in VR going with them over these gestures. And there was a problem even with the elixir gesture of just figuring out exactly what you needed to do to teleport in the elixir gesture. 
And I, I suppose some of these things might be learned over time, but it needs to be really high quality for it to be pick upable. I um, yeah. I did the same thing with my family. Uh I think it was I think it was literally right after hand tracking kind of became available. I was visiting my family in Sydney. And I put the headset on my dad and I was like, look, I, you can't really do anything yet, but look, it can show your hands. Like, you know, he's like, wow, that's amazing. He was kind of shocked that you could see his hands. And, but then he kind of was like, well, how do I select something like on the menu? And I tried to explain the pinching yeah. and, it, and the way that you kind of have to position the hands to get them to show the cursor. And at that point, it all just fell apart. It became too yeah. confusing. Um, but, you know, it was kind of like the the amazement of the hands was kind of then like he immediately was like, well, I know I sh- can do something. What can I do? And it was like, well, it became too hard to explain at that point. You know? Yep, exactly. So it's really rough. To Ian's point about the uh, American Sign Language, I have two grown children who both took uh, ASL. And then I have another one that just started it this year. Well, sort of started it. You know how things go with schools nowadays. Uh, but one of the symbols... Uh, one of the, the the gestures that they taught me was for a turtle. And I think there's multiple for turtle. But basically, it's this little motion that you do with your thumbs, but you do it with your hands on top of each other, and which obviously you can see is causing all sorts of yeah. fun, crazy, glitchy stuff. So it, it, it that symbol where you have to use two hands, Yeah, you can't really do it. You know, I mean, you can do other stuff but you cannot do things where the hands have to interact with each other and that's a lot of asl uh where you have the to body. Use you have to gesture from thing. the body yeah. and that's right. it, it loses it down when you put that and there's the movement of the body too uh all this stuff needs to be there the, to, to reiterate for people that didn't see the article or see other things i reached out to facebook and they said they they felt that this was worth exploring and they said that they have a task force within their team that uh, looks at accessibility in VR. I just, the statement didn't really reiterate how high a priority it was to get this exactly right in all cases and how soon, right? I think Facebook's got a priority to make the touch controllers better than they are today. You know, we want the gaming to be even better than it is in this first generation quest uh in the next generation i just don't know that like there it's really a top priority there to get uh american sign language and other signing languages to be one-to-one really soon to be fair i think i think part of that at the moment is obviously there's technological you know limitations with the current quest it'd be interesting to see if the that this new rumored quest you know successor or, or second kind of quest whatever it may end up being if that does have that, you know, higher sample rate for the cameras, yet the hand tracking better, that might then kind of spill on and mean they can improve it or improve those those situations where it, um, you know, where you're including things or putting things on top of each other. But I think the other thing too is that you know, like sign language uh, in any form often can be quite fast. Like it's probably faster yep. than you've yep. got, you know. And of course, if you're used to, it's been like speaking, you know, you get used to it. And I imagine that. Uh, at the moment, you'd have to kind of really slow things down, even though there's, you know, yep. still there's limitations even then, but you'd have to slow it down because the it's not quite good enough to be fast, I imagine. There's a community well, it, inside of VR chat that's very active, very supportive, and they've adapted all the, a lot of signs to work around the index controllers and other held controllers. 
So there's like slightly var- slight variations of what the actual uh, real life physical uh, signs are adapted to holding a held controller. Just the thing that I guess I want to I want to get across here is that like for someone who's who's deaf uh, and has to go across a city or uh, a, a large path, a large area in order to get to a school that has other deaf people who speak natively that language. Mm-hmm. That's such an extraordinary barrier uh, that could be unlocked by VR. I think to finish up Ian's point, obviously, yeah. if you have sign tracking in, in VR, um, that's a huge boon to those people that need to travel to be able to, you know, all of a sudden you've got the potentials unlocked of being able to, to kind of sign with other people in VR if you're not physically in the same location, which would be fantastic. I can imagine that would be a huge, you know, amazing thing for a lot of people. So Yeah, yeah I, see, I see as kind of just kind of finishing up this conversation, the idea of a, a method of, of information input, a communication level. I mean, we all, well, I shouldn't say we all, I don't know what your experiences with, with this has been, Harry, but T9 with texting, uh, I watched people and just go crazy and be able to do really, really well with it as an input method. Whereas I struggled yeah. with it. And then when keyboards came out for mobile phones, it's like, okay, now I'm trying really hard to hit it. And, oh, man, I really wish I could have a physical keyboard because on screen yeah. it's just so bad. And nowadays it's just like, it's no just problem. natural, right? Yeah. Right. So it's a, it's a new form of communication. It's an evolution. Uh, new input, new, new methods of communication. So I believe confidently that ultimately – uh, everything that Ian was addressing about the American Sign Language, I think we will come to that. But I mean, I've been yeah. playing around with hand tracking. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Elite Motion. This was well before, uh, you know, VR headsets were a thing. Uh, a buddy of mine had Elite Motion, and you'd set it on your desk and you'd move your hands around, and it was novel. But by you could easily break it by going perpendicular to the cameras. So if I go like this to the camera. And I push down my middle finger. It's not always going to be my middle finger because it can't see which finger. It just knows a finger. So there's always going to be a little bit of problem with that. And that is because of the distance and the uh, FOV of the cameras and all this other nonsense. We'll get past all of that. They'll find better solutions for those things. It's just a matter of when, you know, will it be a glove? Will it be something that you put on your hands that coincides with the camera? Something. You know, I saw that wristband I mean, thing. You know, that's hand tracking. It's easy to forget that the quest didn't come with hand tracking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I forget it, and I think it's really interesting because I, I was towards the end of the last year or that it came out. Basically, it was a yeah, that's right. Cause it was meant to be this year, and they brought it out early end of last year. Um, so I mean, it's easy to forget that that there wasn't a feature. And I remember when that was announced, or when when uh, you know Zuckerberg the night on the eve of of Oculus Connect Six teased the the hands and it was kind of like this big thing of like what yeah. it's getting hand tracking like that's incredible and i think yeah you know as you say we'll get over all this stuff but i mean look at how far it's come in however many months with technology that maybe was designed for it but at least didn't ship with it um you know, so you know you can only think about how it could improve pretty quickly just like with the link cable and the yeah. fact that originally the link the, the cable that came with the Quest was not intended for Link because Link wasn't even a thing. And then when Link came out, they're like, no, that cable doesn't work. 
but now it does. Yeah. Uh, same with hand tracking. Did they say, oh, well, these cameras are going to be good enough that eventually we'll find a way to do hand tracking with them? Or yeah. was it, oh, no, wait, somebody figured out how to do hand figured tracking. With exactly. To me, I don't know which one is more impressive. The fact that we'll put the technology in it and figure it out later, or, hey, look at what we figured out on the technology that's already there. Both of those are completely different yeah. methods of coming to the hand tracking. The nice thing about it is, is that it actually is here. And that's the important yeah. piece. So, all right. Um, I, I, I don't know if we'll ever get Ian back. Um, so <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, as usual, I want to encourage everybody to go check out UploadVR.com for all of your latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry, as I said at the beginning of the show. I'd also like to encourage you to check out our YouTube page, see all the wonderful stuff that's coming out. Uh, there's been some streams lately, and if you haven't caught them on their uh, live day go check them out now a lot of really fun and exciting stuff uh and then there's some new things coming down the pipeline as you can see uh with the hand tracking on in our studio uh who knows what we could be doing next i mean if i go like this am i going to get a slingshot no not yet who knows in the broadcast room there. do what I said, you're stressing out Haiti in the broadcast room. Oh, going, am I? Yeah. <laughs> next week, next week, I need a slingshot. No. Yeah, right. Um, Harry, do you have anything to add? No, echo everything Kyle said. Go check out the site. Um, I was speaking that in depth earlier. If you're interested in that, I put up a video review with some gameplay. Um, and it's even worth noting that that I played a lot of this game lead up, and I didn't even kind of, uh, you know, capture a lot of what's available there. There's so much content and it will take you a long time to unlock it. So go check out that review. There's a written review on the site and a video version on YouTube. But uh, that's my takeaway this week. I thought InDeath was fantastic and everyone should go have a check out of it if they're interested. Fantastic. All right. Well, with that being said, let's close out this week's episode. Thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you in the future. Goodbye.